Well, go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 14 to 21 today. And because it's Father's Day, I thought I would share this with you. I found a website that asked this question. It did a survey. It said, which TV dad would you want to be your father if you could pick? And over 5,000 people have filled out that survey so far. The voting is still coming in, so we don't know who won yet. But among the top 20 TV dads that people would pick to be their own fathers, here are some of the front runners. We've got Andy Griffith, the sheriff himself. We have Tim the Toolman Taylor from Home Improvement. Uh, we've got Ward Cleaver from Leave It to Beaver. We also have Philip Banks from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Of course, we've got Danny Tanner from Full House. A lot of people voted for Carl Winslow from Family Matters. And how did he make the list? Gomez Adams. <laughs> Making the top 20. I was relieved to see that Homer Simpson did not make the top 20. However, he did shockingly place at number 22 so far. So these are the TV dads and people are like, oh, I'd like him to be my father. Um, and I know that dads, you wish that you could be the perfect father. Am I right? I wish I could be the perfect father, but it just isn't so. So I want to offer encouragement for dads today. I know you need it. Hey, it's 2020. Let's face it. This has been a challenging year. And so dads, we need encouragement. And I've got a great sermon for you today because this sermon is based on a prayer. And this prayer in the book of Ephesians is an encouraging prayer. If I had to summarize the whole prayer in three words, it would be this, fill me up. If you feel like as a man, if you feel like as a father, you just need God to fill you up again, well, that's what this morning is all about. So let's pray, and then we are going to be encouraged as we find out how God is going to fill us back up with all of his goodness. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would use this sermon today to encourage the fathers in particular, but also the men in our church and everyone else, Lord, who is, who is listening or watching. My prayer is just that you would show us what it means to be filled with all the goodness of God. Lord, we need this. We need you to, to refill us, to refresh us, to renew us, to revive us. Uh, when we get weary, when we get weak, when we feel alone, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be filled with your glory. Show us, O oh Lord, how we can be filled with your very best. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, the series is called Glory in the Church. We're finding out how God fills the world with his glory, and he starts in the church. So it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So the Apostle Paul is now sharing a prayer. He's actually kind of giving up a report of what he's praying for this church. And he includes in this how he wants this church to grow. So he says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is, of course, where we get the title for this whole series, Glory in the Church. And the Apostle Paul is praying that God's presence would fill this church up. And so we're going to find three things here that we can ask God to fill us up with. And the first thing you can write down is this. Fill me up with your power. Fill me up with your power. He says, I bow my knees uh, before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Paul's asking for this church to be filled with the power of God. We should ask God to fill us up again with his power. We see here that God is described appropriate for Father's Day as a glorious father. Paul says that he kneels before the father. God is portrayed here as a father, and that's combined with the image of him as a creator. The idea of God creating everything and everyone, everyone on earth and every being in heaven is described here as being a maker or a father. It says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The portrait of God as father, as creator, uh, highlights a few things. First of all, just his brute strength. He made a universe with his bare hands. In fact, he didn't even use his hands. He just said it. And the universe was formed, came into being, and was fashioned. That is power. God is a glorious creator, and he is a powerful being. And he's a father. Uh, just how strong is God? Well, he manufactured heaven and earth and everything that lives in them. And that makes me wonder what I've ever built. I haven't really ever built anything impressive. Maybe you like to build things. What have you built? A shed? You've maybe rebuilt an engine? Big deal. I mean, God built all the stars. All of them. Wow, what power our God has. And the idea that he's a father who made everything highlights a few a few things. It highlights that he is close, that he has a relationship with all of the beings that he's made. It also highlights his authority. This picture of God naming from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named shows that he has the authority over all living beings, like that of a father who names his children. Uh, so it highlights his proximity, he's close, and his authority, he's over it all. It highlights uh, his headship, he's overall, but it highlights his heart, he's for us. So we have God as Father, God as Creator, he's so powerful, and what does he want to do? He wants to share that power with us, all that power with us. God, fill me up with your power. The truth is men want to be strong. From early on, boys look in the mirror and they compare their muscles, right, with other boys and with their dad. They want to be strong. And usually they just want to be physically strong, or at least that's where it starts. Who is the strongest man on earth right now? Well, the jury's out. There's, uh, it, this year, two are included as being kind of in the front runner competing to be the strongest men on earth. I've got a few pictures of them. The first one is Brian Shaw. Uh, Brian Shaw has won several times the uh, Strongest Man Award, Strongest Man on Earth Award. And the second guy, who's uh, nicknamed the Mountain, is Half Thor Bjornsson. That's right, Half Thor, like a god, Half Thor Bjornsson. These are men who can bench over 500 pounds. 
These are men who could squat close to a thousand pounds. Wow! Wow! Look at how strong they are, and God is not impressed. Okay, okay, put a planet on each side of that bar, and then maybe God will take a look at them. Because physical strength is not real strength. Physical power is not real power. Hey, listen, do you want to be a strong man? Do you want to be a strong man? Well, the Bible tells us how we can be strong. And it says we're not to boast in our physical strength. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That he knows me. That's what we're supposed to boast in. Hey, do you want to be a man who is accessing and unleashing God's heavenly power? Then you must know God. And that only happens through faith in Christ. You can jot this down. If you want to be filled with the power of God, you have to ask Jesus to save you. Ask Jesus to save you. It says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith in him. The Bible is clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we want to know God, we have to believe in the one he has sent. And so are you a man of faith? Have you asked Jesus to save you? Have you asked Jesus to spiritually transform you in an instant by his might? That's how we become strong. Do you want to be a strong man? That starts when you surrender everything to Christ. Being surrendered is being strong. It's humbling, if not humiliating, for a man to admit he needs a rescue. He needs a savior. He's a lost cause. But only then will he find the power of God. Strength comes from having a savior. It says that we can have the riches of the glory of God, that he will strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. This all happens through faith. Hey, listen, strength comes from having a savior. So do you have a savior? If you are saved by faith in Christ, you are stronger than sin. You are stronger than than Satan. You are stronger than death. And it's because of the mighty one who lives within you. Hey, listen, men, when we know Jesus, we have real power. If we don't know Jesus, we have no power. The truth is, spiritual strength is the strongest. And we can only find that strength through the Lord Jesus Christ. So have you invited Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior? Have you surrendered your life to him? Only then will Christ dwell in your heart by faith, and only then will God's heavenly power flow through you on earth. Number one, fill me up with your power. That begins when you ask Jesus to save you. And then write this down, ask Jesus to strengthen you. Ask Jesus to strengthen you, to spiritually transform you, over time. 
So if you've asked him to transform you in an instant forever, he'll do that. But then you have to ask him to transform you over time, gradually. Being saved is called salvation. Being transformed is called sanctification. Salvation happens in a moment, the blink of an eye, you're born again. Sanctification never stops this side of heaven. So God will continue to strengthen you through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the difference between saving faith and walking faith. Saving faith is when you surrender all to Christ. Walking faith is when you put one foot in front of the other and take three more steps with Jesus. Fill me with your power. That is the plea in this prayer. Hey, we want to be strong, right? And dads, we want our kids to be strong, right? And that happens when the Spirit is flowing through us as we walk by faith in Christ. As I think about wanting my kids to be strong, I remember we went to Disney many years ago, and I think my son was like five or six, and we were standing outside this gorilla enclosure in the, uh, in the animal kingdom, right? They've got this zoo out there. And we were learning about the gorillas. And the, the keeper there, the, the guy said, uh, the way that, that it works in the gorilla uh, family is that usually the alpha is the strongest because he can protect the whole, the whole bunch of them. But then one of the sons rises up and eventually challenges the dad's dominance and wins. And then he becomes the next alpha when he demonstrates he's the strongest. And Jared was just sitting there listening to this. And he said, oh, so I'm the soon-to-be alpha. And I looked all the way down at him and I was like, uh, keep dreaming, little one. Because I, I, I don't want him to be that strong just yet, right? And he's a teenager now. Um, but I do want him to get there, to be strong. And we want our daughters to be strong and confident, right? To not be blown around by all the winds of desire and worldliness. We want them to be strong. Where does that strength come from? Uh, that strength comes from Christ. It's a spiritual power that gives them what God has for them in this life. Fill me up with your power. That's the prayer. That begins when we ask Jesus to save us. That continues when we ask Jesus to strengthen us. Hey, listen, God wants men to be strong. And let's face it, the world wants men to be weak. For decades, the world has been dismantling every different form of masculinity and strength in men. The world wants weak men. The world is suspicious of strong men. God wants men to be strong. Not, not strong in sin, not strong in selfishness, but spiritually strong. Strong in faith. And women want men to be strong in the right way surrendered to Christ. Men, when we are close to Christ, we have real power. And when we're far from Christ, we have no power. So we have to ask God again and again and again, give me more power. Give me real power. Number one, the prayer is this, fill me up with your power. Number two, you can jot this down, Fill me up, the prayer goes on to say, with your love. Fill me up with your love. It says here in verse 17, reading on, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Fill me up with your power. That was first. Fill me up with your love. That is second. The idea here of being filled up with the love of Christ shows us the measure of a man, God's intention for a man, that we'd be overflowing with love. Not just any love, but the love for Christ. Now let's face it, men don't usually want to be known for being soft or gushy or lovey-dovey. If someone were to say, he's just the most loving being I've ever met on this planet, a guy wouldn't know if that was a compliment because that's not typically our go-to virtue. But the truth is, men want strong friendships. Men often feel like they lack great connections. And they want that. They want better connections with their wife. They want more patience with their children. They, they too often feel like their relationships aren't strong and healthy. And then men end up feeling alone or ashamed because their relationships are unhealthy or even broken. And listen, this is good news. God wants men to go deep, to be able to build relationships that are mature and healthy based on sacrifice and godliness and humility. So we have to invite God to fill us up with love. Women want men who are mature and wise in how they build relationships and who they build relationships with. Children need fathers who can form life-giving bonds with them and with their mom. And men, we want this, but we often feel that we're not doing the best job at it. And in this pandemic age, when the world seems like it's spiraling out of control, I doubt many men would feel like they're getting an A in their relationships, or even a B, or even a C. So I want to encourage you. This prayer, this, this text is not about 10 different things you have to do to become more loving. It's about you, like Paul, getting on your knees before your father and saying, fill me up. I don't have it anymore. And I need what you have right now. You can't really even benefit from this passage until you run out of your strength, until you run out of your own love. That's when you need God to fill you up. You doing your best isn't what this passage is all about. It's when you reach the point where you have to say, I'm empty and I need you to fill me up again with that love that didn't come from inside of me, but it came from above me. We have a few encouraging images of how God grows us in love here. It says that we might be rooted and grounded in love. We'll look at the word grounded first. It's the idea of a foundation, that love would be the foundation of everything that God is building inside of us. Here's a picture of the foundation that's being laid for a skyscraper. Now guess what? They are going to fill that in with concrete. I, I mean, fill it in. And, and that concrete is going to form a foundation on which an entire building that rises up to the sky is placed. And look, if they just filled that up with sand, or if they filled it up with mud, or if they filled it up with, right, it's not, then it's going to fall over. And so this represents your soul. And you have to say, Lord, here it is. Fill my heart up with what? With what? With what? With the love of Christ. Pour it in so that it's overflowing and build everything I do on that. When it says the love of Christ in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, we're given a paradox here. 
it says that we may have strength in verse 18 to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, which means it's immeasurable, right? Uh, To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So the idea that we can know it, but that we can't fully know it, shows that we're never going to be done accessing more of it. Uh, Like you got your tape measure out and you're trying to walk around the building, but you never quite get all the way around it. But you know it and it's immense. That's how we process the love of Christ. Fill me up with your love. This means a love for Christ, meaning give me more love for him. Eventually, the church in Ephesus would be scolded in the book of Revelation because it's, it would say, Jesus would say, you lost your first love. Oh, they were full of truth. They were a truth church, but they lost their love. Say, God, fill me up with love for Christ. But it's also a love from Christ. Jesus, show me how much you love me. And we're never done measuring that. Fill me up with your love. And then the second image here is, is like a root system, rooted and grounded in love. So write this down. Ask Jesus to deepen your roots. Ask Jesus to deepen your roots, like a tree. So it's like a building that keeps building higher and higher up to the heavens. Growing in love is like a tree that the roots just keep going everywhere. Uh, I looked up the Guinness Book of World Records record for the the tree with the deepest roots, and it was a fig tree. Here's a picture of a fig tree, and a fig tree is known for having roots that just go everywhere. They just spread everywhere in every direction. Look at that root system. And uh, this is a picture of how the love of Christ is supposed to be growing in your heart and your life and in your family and in your church and in your world. It's just going everywhere and everywhere and everywhere. But those roots also go down deep into the soil. And so a fig tree's roots, the, the record holder for deepest roots is 400 feet deep. Listen, that's 100 feet taller, if you were to measure it, than the Statue of Liberty. And we've got to ask God, deepen my roots. Go deeper with the love of Christ and spread those roots out. Fill me with your love. Hey, do you want to be a man who has strong relationships with his wife, with his children, with his church, with his co-workers? Do you want to be that man? Ask Jesus to fill you with his love. Fill me up. Do you feel like you've run out of patience? Do you feel like you've run out of kindness? Do you feel like you're just really wanting to take care of you and to just get everybody off of you? Hey, fill me up up again. That should be the cry of your heart before your father. Number one, fill me up with your power. Number two, fill me up with your love. It goes on to say this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This form of prayer is called a doxology. You can write this down. Fill me up with your glory, with your power, with your love, and with your glory. The idea of being filled with glory for a Christian often seems like it's something we shouldn't desire. But God wants men who are after his glory. God wants men who are spiritually ambitious. God wants men who don't look around at the world and the state of the world and say, it's okay. We'll just keep things the way they are. God wants men who don't look inside themselves and say, I'm good. Or, or 
who look at their family and say, eh, it's fine. God wants men who are after glory. And listen, how much glory? Glory that comes when God does more than we could even think or imagine. More. Why do we come to God with small, tiny, puny dreams? Well, it's because they're easier for us if they do or don't happen. Our lack of spiritual ambition is tied to our own selfishness, our own sloth, our own shame. But this is not the way God wants his men to operate. He wants us to be desiring to be filled with his glory. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory. Fill me up with your glory. And it says that glory is, his power is at work within us. To him be glory in the church. So it's at work in the church and in Christ Jesus. And this is working throughout all generations in history and forever and ever. This is glory. And God wants us to be filled with it. He wants our homes to be filled with it. He wants our churches to be filled with it. He wants history to be filled with it. Is that your cry? Is that your plea? If you want your life to matter for eternity, if you want to impact others forever, you have to ask God to fill you with his glory. I read a book about Pat Tillman in the past. Pat Tillman, if you don't know who he is, is a man who walked away from a multi-million dollar NFL contract to fight in the army for his country. And he was actually killed in battle in Afghanistan. And so um, the book that I read about his life was called this, Where Men Win Glory. Where Men Win Glory. What a captivating title. Because it's what every man wants to know. Where do men win glory? And what a figure. A man who made it on the field, the gridiron in the NFL, and then went off to battle and died for his country. That title, it was interesting to find out, is from an ancient quote. In fact, in the Iliad, written by Homer, here's what that quote says. Who among mortal men are you, good friend, since never before have I seen you in the fighting where men win glory? Yet now you have come striding far out into the front of all others in your great heart. That's the quote. And when the book was written, they captured that phrase, where men win glory. Men want to know where they can win glory. Lasting glory. Not found anywhere else. And listen, I've got to tell you, as a man of God, he wants you to win glory. But it's not glory that you can find in the sports arena or in battle or in business. It's the glory that can be found in Christ Jesus alone. The only glory that will outlast this world. That's the glory that God wants his men to be after. That's it. The answer of where men find glory is in the army of the Lord. It's in the battle for souls. It's when we die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow him that we can experience and express his glory. When we demolish strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Hey, listen, God wants men to win glory, not for themselves, but for their maker for their Messiah. And this is the truth, men. Jesus Christ is the only glorious thing you will find 
in me and in the church and in the world and in eternity. So if you want your life to be glorious, Christ has to be in it. And he has to be the one shining through it all. We reflect his eternal glory. Fill me up with your glory. Moses said it, show me your glory. And he wasn't looking inside of himself. He was looking into the heart of God. David was a man after God's own heart. And God gave him a name that will never be forgotten. Fill me up with your power. Fill me up with your love and fill me up with your glory. Hey, jot this down. Ask Jesus to use you greatly. The picture here is of the power inside of you. The power at work within us leading to him be glory in the church. So then it spills over into the work the church is doing and in Christ throughout all generations. That refers to the person of Christ, but also the people who represent him. And then it's all of history is filled with the glory of Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus to use you greatly. Listen to what God can do more abundantly than all we can ask. I can think of some pretty big things to ask God, like really big ones, no sweat, more abundantly than anything I ask. And then it says, or even think about, that all we think, I can think about a lot of things, doesn't matter, more abundantly than anything you could ever think about. That's what God wants to do. More than we can ask, more than we can imagine. But listen, this isn't a prosperity moment in the sermon. It's not like, maybe I should ask God for that new car. Listen, the work is inside of you. The work is inside of your family. The work is inside of your marriage. Then the home comes to church and the work is in the church. Then the church goes to work and the work is in the world. Then the world spreads out and history is where God works. Do you see how that happens? So the greatest evidences of God's presence and power, they're going to happen inside of you. That's where God's glory is going to really be showed off. And let's face it, a hundred years from now, what parts of your life will still be interesting or talked about or, or glorious, like actually revered? I've got news for you. If you're making a list of things that are going to be impressive about you in a hundred years, your physique ain't going to be one of the things on the list. All right? Nor is your power of recall or your memory or your knowledge, uh, your sense of fashion, good luck with that one, the fish you caught, your best golf score. Pff, these things will be nothing when measured against time and history. Hey, will your life still matter at all in a thousand years? If you're full of the glory of Christ and you live to bring him glory, yes. Yes. A thousand years from now, your life will still matter. Your impact will still count. And it's because you didn't live for your glory, you live for the one who will be glorious for eternity. Jesus alone can give you unfading glory. But here's the question. Will you live to reflect his glory or will you live to generate your own? Will you live to show him off or will you, or will you try and show yourself off? Hey, I want you to be encouraged, men. God will fill you back up. And this prayer basically is, is asking for you to invite God 
to fill you up and top you off again. So will you do that? Will you say, God, fill me up with your power as you ask Jesus to strengthen you or even to save you for the first time? Will you say, God, fill me up with your love deep in my roots? Will you say, God, fill me up with your glory? Use me greatly and give me those spiritual ambitions again for my heart and my family and my marriage and my, and my country and my world. Hey, are you going to ask God, fill me up? If you do that, he will. He'll encourage you. He'll inspire you. He'll encounter you. And the world will be a different place because of it. Hey, men, it's time to ask God to fill you with his glory. Let's close our eyes and let's go to the Lord in prayer based on everything we've heard today. Lord Jesus, we ask you to fill us up again. The, the dads in particular, the men in particular, but also the women, the children who are watching, fill us up. Fill us with your power. Make us stronger than ever before in our battle against temptation and sin. Fill us with your love. Help us again to be patient and kind. Help us again to be courteous and considerate. Help us again to know you better. Fill us up with your glory. Help us to live for you, knowing that to live for Christ means to die as gain. And Father, I pray for any who are watching this today who have never known the power and the love and the glory of Christ. They've never asked Jesus to be their Savior. I pray that right now, Lord, they would just surrender their soul to you forever. They can, they can pray, Lord, wherever they are. They can pray right now out loud saying this, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Jesus, come into my life. Take away my sins. Fill me with all of your power and your love and your glory. And promise me heaven forever. Father, I pray that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ would be filled with all the fullness of God. And I pray, Lord, that because of your word, because of your spirit, because of your presence, that the men in particular of this church would be strong and courageous and ambitious and faithful and humble. And may it be all to your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Amen. Amen.